0: Blog Talk Radio. All right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host Ted Otero Rico, and this uh, uh, very interesting Thursday, March 16th of 2017, of course, happens to be, as many of you know that tune into the program, happens to be my birthday. So I'm of course uh, celebrating my birthday today. So thank you to all of the folks out there that uh, reached out uh, over the last, uh, actually 24 hours. Some of you actually were a little earlier and jumped the gun yesterday. Uh, but thank you for all the well wishes, not, uh, that you've been sending me through social media and text and email and, and so forth. So thank you very much. Um, welcome to the show. This is Golf Talk Live. And and uh, normally I'm live from 6 to 8 p.m. Central every Thursday evening. But tonight we're going to have a little shorter uh, show tonight, uh, mainly because uh, we're not going to have a Coach's Corner uh, panel discussion this week. Uh, I'm going to be jumping right into my guest interview uh, for the first hour of the show, and then I'll be ending it uh, sometime, maybe an hour, or maybe a little bit longer than an hour, depending on how, how things go. But uh, my very special guest is going to be joining me this evening is Alicia Larson. He, she is a, an LPJ teaching professional and the founder and president of Gratitude Golf. And uh, she's going to be talking about a, a a book that she has uh, recently published, and she's the author of this book, of course, The Missing Link, uh, The Powerful Role of Self-Talk in the Mind Game of Golf. very interesting read. uh, For those of you that haven't got a copy, we'll tell you a little bit later on in the broadcast how you can get your hot little hands on. This is a very, very well-written book and uh, lots of great tips and and that in here um, to help you along the way. But uh, for those of you that are, as I said, joining me live here on Thursday night, um, obviously you know how to get here, but for the Uh, Those that don't normally uh, tune in, the easiest way to find me is to go to blogtalkradio.com, type in uh, Golf Talk Live, and that will take you to the main page uh, on the network. And of course, uh, Thursday evenings, the show, uh, as I mentioned, is live, normally from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. Uh, But for some reason, if you're not able to join me uh, during the live broadcast, not to worry. Uh, You can just scroll down that page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live, and you can see uh, the different shows in the on-demand section. So they're all auto-recorded uh, during the broadcast, so you can scroll down there. And if you missed us live uh, on any particular evening, you can scroll down. Or if you heard an interview before and maybe want to hear it again, maybe there's some uh, information in there that you wanted to uh, talk about or, or, or uh, amongst your friends or associates, uh, or maybe you just want to share the program, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live and uh, share that link with uh, as many people as possible. Obviously, we, uh, being an online radio broadcast, we reach a, a far-reaching global audience, literally from every country uh, that you can imagine, uh, our listeners tuning into to this network. So I appreciate it very much for all of the listeners, um, and uh, also all of the guests that coming. Out. I actually had uh, some interesting uh, chatter, if you will, on Facebook while I was um, thanking the many people that had wished me uh, well today on my birthday. Uh, managed to make some... Uh, great connections today on facebook uh for some future guests that are going to come on the show so i'm really excited about that uh one particularly i'm not going to tell you who it is at this time but a gentleman uh from back in in my hometown or home area if you will of burlington ontario canada uh he's going to be joining us uh, he's been very active in golf over the years in fact he had his own uh, telephone uh, television uh show for many years on golf and uh we share of course some very common interests so he's going to be coming on the show here in actually a couple of months time so i'm very excited about that but um Uh, And also, uh, if you want to call in any time during the live broadcast, you're welcome to do so by uh, calling an area code 646-716-4667. Or you can email me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com anytime during or uh, or after the program if you have any comments or questions about the show. Uh, Or maybe you know somebody in the golf industry that uh, you'd like to have me uh, reach out to and and get a guest as a guest on the show. Uh, Again, reach out to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And as uh, most of you know, of course, I do update uh, uh, every week on social media, uh, particularly on Facebook and Twitter, uh, but also on LinkedIn as well uh, about the show and who my my guests are going to be. So uh, just look at those different areas. Uh, Go to Facebook, type in Golf Talk Live blog. That will take you to the Golf Talk Live page, or you can type in my name personally, Ted odorico and uh, I post all of the information on my personal page as well, and the same thing respectively on, uh, on LinkedIn. Um, on Twitter, my Twitter handle is Ted and Buck CEO. CEO is in capital letters. Thank you for all of the recent followers there as well, and obviously I, I post all the information for the shows. And don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m., uh, Eastern Standard Time, that's 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, on that hour, I uh, host, along with my good friend, LPJ professional Cindy Miller, who is the co-host of that show as well, uh, the Women of Golf show on the blogtalkradio.com network. So make sure you tune in to us there, and we would love for you to uh, call in or, or to reach out to us as well. Uh, her email address is cindy at com and mine, as I mentioned, is ted.golftalklive@. At gmail.com as i mentioned my very special guest tonight is alicia larson she is a class a lpj teach professional as well as the founder and president of gratitude golf and the author of a book that we're going to talk about tonight the missing link uh, the powerful role of self-talk in the mind game of golf um and let me just tell you a little bit more about her, and then I'm going to bring her on because I see that she's waiting here in the wings. Uh, Alicia, the vision, her vision of Gratitude Golf uh, and her coaching golf instruction is, equip, is to equip golfers to tap into their full potential by discovering their individual gifts. With specific tools to enhance their products, uh, she encourages them to stay focused on positive achievements and become aware of and work through any obstacles that may be keeping them from reaching their goals. On the lesson T there is an important emphasis on the fundamentals of the game and specific mechanics, but also includes an essential combination of the mental approach uh, of their golf game and life. Uh, she coaches beginners, intermediates, and advanced players and currently coaches uh, all spectrums, men, women, and junior golfers, as well as students. Uh, a whole plethora of experience. Let me just read you a few of them. She was the uh, 2014 LPJ Midwest section uh, teacher of the year. Uh, she was also voted as one of the top 50 teachers in the country by Golf Digest, Golf for Women uh, magazine in 2002, uh, certified positive self-talk trainer and speaker, as well as a sports psychologist certified uh, in emotional toughness. We'll talk to her a little bit about that as well. Many, many other accolades as well. Just too many to, to, to mention here. Uh, otherwise, I won't have any time to talk to my special guest. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please let me welcome uh, Alicia Larson to the show.
1: Thank you, Good Jeff, evening and welcome, Alicia. Well, <laughs> Thank you Ted. That was I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> well you had you have so many accolades, uh, like I said, it would take us the first hour of the show just to read them all out. so I just wanted to highlight <laughs> a few of them, but the main the main thing, of course, I wanted to to uh, to plug the book and and to mention the fact that you're a fellow uh, golf professional. so um, welcome to the show, Alicia. I'm excited to have you on tonight.
1: Well, I'm really excited to be here, and I must first say happy birthday. I hope you had a great day. Thank
0: you. It, you know what? It's been fun. It's been a perfect day. Nobody bothered me. I've been answering uh, messages and things like that, and uh, I'm actually going away this weekend to uh, to see a musical in Atlanta that I'm very excited about. My girlfriend and I are going to go and see that together, so that's what I'm planning for my birthday, but tonight I'm just going to have a nice quiet evening, a few phone calls I've made already, but other than that... Uh, a very relaxed. uh, And and again, thank you to all the uh, other uh, folks out there that have wished me uh, uh, all the best today. I appreciate it very much. All right, Alicia, the first obvious question I want to ask you before we get into sort of uh, some of the specifics about the book. um, What was sort of the reason behind? Why did you want to write this specific book? What was it about the the language and the the ideas behind the book that, that sort of struck a chord with you?
1: Well, I I had been thinking about writing a book for for actually quite a few years and talking about it and and just never acted on it. But I was taking notes as I was on the lesson tee and thinking about things that I might want to uh, you know include in the book. And uh, as I as I accumulated all that stuff, it kind of dawned on me that you know the stories and the the situational things that were happening right before my eyes on the lesson tee were affirming what i was what i was really wanting to, the message i really wanted to get across to you know the masses because we're we're teaching the masses and we're trying to make sure everybody's enjoying the game so uh i you know i accumulated years of of notes and and that sort of thing and then when i met dr helmsetter it was kind of that's when things kind of came to fruition and he said you know i i mentioned that i you know i was really you know, I I really want to write this book. And he's like, well, you know, why don't you? And so he kind of guided me and, you know, encouraged me to make it anecdotal and, and tell him about stories, you know, because he said people really want to know how you got started in golf. And in the beginning it wasn't going to be, you know, as anecdotal as it turned out to be. But um, he said I really think that's the first step in people getting to know you a little better and, and getting to know you through your stories of how self-talk affected your golf game in your life positively or negatively. And that's kind of how right. it started.
0: Well said. Well, let's, let's take a step back then, uh, before we get right into the book um, and, and just talk about I mean, I have sort of highlighted a few of your accolades, Nat, and, that, and, you, and I, again, you have a whole uh, list of, of many, many great accomplishments. But tell us, uh, just for the listeners, uh, I like to do this with all of my guests, especially if they've never been on the show before, just to give a little bit of an overview of how you got into golf. When did you start playing golf and what was sort of the, the uh, motives or reasoning that you got into uh, to playing the game?
1: Yeah, it was. It was. You know, as I mentioned, in the book. I. I. The first chapter title was "We All Start Somewhere," and and that was, kind of, you know, it really means that we all start playing golf somewhere. And if we're if we're liking the game, at some point in time, we all have our own little individual, kind of unique stories that, that will encompass our our beginning and. Mine happened to be just, I was very athletic, and, and it was just my, my dad, and we started out a little cab, lake cabin and just happened to be there, it Was little sand greens in the back, right in our back door of our cabin was the, I think it was the number three tee box, so we could literally just walk from our cabin if we wanted to play a few holes and and, and just go out and play casually, and my brothers and I would go out, or my dad and and we would just go play, and, and that's that's really truly how I got started, is playing on sand greens and, in in uh, at a little cabin in in the state of North Dakota where I where I grew up and was raised.
0: Wow, and, and you know it's interesting because a lot of the guests um, that I've had on the show over the years uh, have had very similar stories. You know, either a parent, uh, normally in most cases, not every case, but uh, you know their father maybe got them involved in golf. Uh, or other siblings that that uh, were were active athletically, you know, maybe they went out yeah. as, as youngsters and played together. Um, what what sort of transpired, uh, what stage of your um, your journey, if you will, did you decide? Okay, I, I want to get in, and I want to teach and, and do something to give back to the game that's given you a lot.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, it, it actually was a little bit later in my life because I my first love was actually basketball, and so I got a, a full ride to play basketball in college and. So I didn't play college golf, but I, I really jo- dove right into, um, after basketball was over, I dove right into, you know, really playing amateur golf uh, at a national level. So I was playing with a lot of girls that actually, you know, they they did, they did ended up going on to the LPGA tour and, and playing. But mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to play highly competitive national amateur golf. I won the state tournament in North Dakota twice before I felt like I was, you know, felt like I was ready for going out to play nationally. But um, I got a job at a golf course and on the grounds crew. And so I was working with one of my basketball teammates and I happened to meet my first husband who was a member there. And uh, we, you know, we just started playing golf a lot and we just kept playing golf and then we ended up getting married and we traveled all over the country. And I had, you know, an opportunity to get some lessons from some of the greatest teachers you know there are some passed away and some still alive and right and so I my first husband really launched me into the golf seriousness of golf and then when we had children and I I still loved golf so much and we we did the ran the junior programs at our little private club at uh, nine hole private club at, at our hometown and and I decided that you know the tour and traveling wasn't going to be for me because I had a family. So I I wanted to stay in, in the organization in the LPGA because I loved it so much. And so I, I decided to go to the the membership, you know, teaching and club professional membership part of it and the business side of it instead of the touring playing side of it. And uh, the rest is pretty much they call history.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, it's interesting because you know, obviously, a lot of the, the LPJ players over the years that have um, gone on to have successful careers as players, many of them, um, not all of them, but many of them do come back and, and teach afterwards. But there are also a, a good vast number of people within the LPJ organization that maybe didn't necessarily play out on the tour. Uh, at all, or very long, but went right into the teaching aspect. So I guess it really depends on mm-hmm. where your passion is and, and what it is. But um, I, I got to give kudos where kudos is due. Uh, I think the LPJ is a fantastic. I mean, as you may or may not know, on Tuesday mornings we I host another show, uh, The Women of Golf, with uh, Cindy Miller, and yes. you know we've mm-hmm. had the pleasure of interviewing some great, great ladies, uh, uh, both uh, junior and senior, uh, many from the the Legends Tour, and it's just amazing mm-hmm. how hard these women are. And how much they give back um, to the game itself. Um, and it's just phenomenal. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe every time we we'd speak to some of these great women um, that come on the shows. Just because of uh, how hard they are um, at, at what they do and, and how hard they work. So, uh, and mm-hmm. to you as well. Um, you, you do a, a lot. You've, I mean, you've been teaching for, for years and you've given so much to the game and, and, um, I really found this book very interesting and I want to just go back cause you, you brought him up, um, and talked about, uh, Dr. Helmstetter for a second. Uh, he wrote the forward in your book and, uh, yeah. I gotta say he described, yeah, he described what the book is really about to a T. Um, how did you discover the connection between self-taught and how the brain responds? What, what was sort of your, um, epiphany, if you will, that you came to sort of that realization? Was it fairly early on before you got into the book or um, where, where in your career did you realize that self-talk was important?
1: Well, I, as I kept teaching, I realized that self-talk, the the portion of my competitive years when I was really hard on myself was really what, what kept me and held me back from, from reaching my potential Uh, when I could reflect on that and, and realize that you know I think that was the you know whatever for whatever reason that happened I didn't have a mind game, you know uh, teacher if you will I I had a swing coach and you know they told me to think positive and um, you know you mm-hmm. gotta you can't get mad and all that stuff and and there there's coping mechanisms that we need to learn how to do that that's a skill that we learn we can't we can be told that we know better we know not to get upset and stuff so it's it's one of those things where. I realized early on that, that self-talk was, um, you know, important. But then as I taught more and as I began to realize that that was the very reason that stopped me from, you know, and, and the, the the obstacle that kept me from reaching my goals, it became more clear and clearer as my career went on. And then and then when I met Dr. Helmstetter, the, it, it just all came to a full circle then at that point in time mm-hmm. and I realized – I'm like, Wow, that is truly what happened to me, and I need to spread that message in the golfing world because um i i I never imagined that I'd meet dr helmstetter and and mm-hmm. you know have have the opportunity to have him write my foreword for my book and all the great things that he's given me and the knowledge of self talk and he's g- he's given his forty years of his life to researching the importance of self talk and I just i you know I'm so lucky that I ran into him and that you that mm. would give me the opportunity to do this too, to share with the golfing world what I have experienced and what I know and what I want everybody else to know.
0: Um, well said. And, and, you know, the other thing too that I, I noticed throughout the book, and you you get into specifics about it, but you talk about why um, the sort of the difference between um, those that, that talk about what they want to do and others that are their actual doers. Explain what you mean by that, Um, and and you you sort of talk about that in one of the chapters a little bit about how some some of us out there talk about what they want to do, and then there's others that actually just go out and do it. Explain what you mean by that.
1: Yeah, we can, you know, we can talk about what we like. If if I say, oh, I'm gonna you know work on not getting upset today, going out and, and playing in my round, but if I, you know, it's the old cliche of you know you can talk the talk, but you have to walk the walk, and you must learn how to in the mo- in the moment of you know being in control of your emotions or your emotions control you kind of thing you you have to be able to know how to turn that off and on and be able to just right. you know like dr Chad said one time he it was it was a great um just kind of a de- demonstration at the when i became certified about he sat in a chair and he said you know we all have to face fear and i none of us like it but when i'm facing it you know he just kind of Stops and just lets fear kind of enter, and he you know he embraces it and calmly just says, mm-hmm. "No, I know you're here, and I'm I'm All dealing right. with you right now, and I I can feel you your presence in my body, but I'm just gonna, I'm going to let you go very shortly. <laughs> uh, you're going to kind of come in one door and out the other really fast, and so okay, bye, you know kind of thing. So it was like. <laughs> we all have to be able to kind of do that, you know, on the course, it's hard. You can't just go up to somebody who just took a, you know, a quadruple bogey or a 10 or something, you know, double figures and say, you know, breathe. It's, you have to learn, right. you, get, you know, you can't, by, by that time you're really, it's too late actually, you know, you, you've got to be able to monitor that a little bit better. But um, that's what I'm really trying to teach my students to do, you know, just, you know, stay in control and stay calm and, you know, what happened happened, but I know it's, it's hard. It's a hard skill to learn, but yet it, it can be learned for sure. How
0: do you help? Uh, let, let's talk about students for a second. Um, you know, we, we can teach them all, uh, you know, all they need to know about the golf swing and the mechanics and so on and so forth. Um, but then they have to be able to put it into practice. And this is where I'm, I'm guessing you found that self-talk uh, has really helped, you know, again, it's, it's more than just, you know, positive thinking. I mean, that's, that's great. And that's important. Um, but we have to be able to put all the knowledge that we've learned on the lesson T from our, our coach or instructors, we have to be able to put it into practice. And obviously when we go out and play in a, in a tournament situation, we've got to, you know, again, we've got to step up and do it. So how do you help your, your students go from that transition of, okay, I've learned everything here in the lesson tee, Now I got to take it out in the golf course. What do you say to them to, to get them mentally prepared so that when they get out in the golf course, they're not sort of getting into a panic mode and saying, "Well, what did she say out back there on the tee? I can't remember now." How do you get them to to ga- engage their mental talk, if you will, or their self talk while they get out in the golf
1: course? Yeah, there's a couple things. I mean, first of all, you know, I I I'm really it's really important to me to make my students self sufficient and and empower them with the knowledge of how to get themselves back on track, you know, with their swing and then mm-hmm. secondly you want to make sure that you know while they're practicing they're practicing staying in control on the on the on the practice tee as well because if they you know whatever they're rehearsing uh you know in on when they're practicing is it that just gives them permission to take it out on the golf course and say okay well I got angry and frustrated on the lesson tee or on the practice tee when I, you know when when I was practicing and and so that's their behavior that they were repeating and it's about repetition so if they're rehearsing you know getting angry and frustrated on the lesson tee they'll just take that out to the course and then that'll that's mm-hmm. their game so i really try to make sure that they they know that they you know what you're rehearsing on the practice tee or the lesson tee is is something that you're going to you're you're going to be in control out there as well when you go out and try play around a round of golf competitively or just casually so um, always being in control is is one of the things you know and embracing the diversity of of the ups and downs of golf um having a bad shot and knowing just kind of accepting that because I say, you know, if you yep. can expect it, you can accept it. And that's really, uh, you know, if I expect that I'm going to have some bad bounces and some drives that aren't going to be good, and gosh, we're, you know, I like to teach my students all about good misses. So <laughs> we want to have good misses, and, you know, maybe I hit 10% of the shots that I really like, but, boy, the rest of them were good misses, and I scored okay. You know, and so if I expect, you know, some bad shots and some some less than desirable outcomes, then I can, ex- I can accept them a bit better. And then that helps me, me- mentally to stay a little more kind of, uh, you know, calm and just not get, you know, on that slippery slope of getting too upset about anything.
0: Right. You know, it's interesting because uh, many times on, on the other show uh, in the morning, Cindy and I, you know, will be talking about different things. And one of her, uh, you know, issues that she talks about quite often, obviously she has the skill to, to be out there and play um, and she's played, you know, competitive for a number of years, uh, both on the LPGA and, and obviously now on the Legends Tour. But, um, you know, she certainly has the physical game to to play with with some of the best out there. But a lot of times she says that that internal dialogue, that other Cindy, comes out on the golf course with her, and there's that constant battle. And I I can say that yeah. without a, any great any great fear that she's going to lambaste me next <laughs> Tuesday on the show because she said it many times herself. So. Uh, I'm not worried about any backlash, but but you know talk about that a little bit because there's a good example. There's somebody that, that's played at a high level that that obviously has the mm-hmm. the, the gift and the talents uh, to be out there and play with the best. But even she struggles. Um, you've obviously worked with some high caliber players. What have you found mm-hmm. the differences between a player like a Cindy Miller and and others that you've come across out on tour uh, to some of the amateurs? What's the difference that goes on in their head as opposed to some of the amateurs that you might be working with?
1: Well, I don't, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a lot of, you know, really a big differences. I mean, there's still that, you know, you can put it under whatever umbrella you want with, you know, fear or doubt or just, you know, lack of confidence for that day or you just don't feel right, you know, on that day or you, you haven't felt good or it just it just depends on on the person, but you know, the the I always tell my students, look, I want you to be your own best friend out there. I when I when I write in a book and I I when I when I personalize and sign a book, I'll I'll say my wish for you is that you'll always be your your own best friend both on and off the course because you know, both of them are going to be influential on both, you know, your golf life and your life life is going to be it's influenced on both sides. So it's I want you to be your own best friend while you're on the course and while you're off the course and mm-hmm. and, and so When you have somebody, I always tell my students to try to find the other person that's going to be that cheerleader. You know, like you have kind of like two people you have the person playing golf, and you have the person that you have to kind of, in your head, you have to create this other person in there that's talking to you, that's telling you it's okay. And, you know, just keep yourself, it's like the caddy. Um, You know, the caddy is going to always be affirming and, you know, supportive and, giving you, you know, let's go, it's all right, just make a good move at it, and, you know, it's it's good. I think this is a solid eight iron, and they give you all the affirmation and, you know, confirmation that you've got the right club and, you know, you've you've right. diagnosed it and analyzed it well, and then, they, then they, they rah-rah you and they say, okay, you're ready, buddy. And so they go. And yeah. that's kind of what the amateurs, when there's no caddy there, they have to do that themselves. They have to learn that skill. Uh, because they certainly couldn't even imagine having a caddy there standing there saying the things that they might be saying to themselves <laughs> sometimes. Because I literally say in presentations <laughs> when I've gone to golf shows, and I'm like, tell people, look, if I talk to you the way you talk to you, would you allow me to be your friend or your coach right. or your caddy? And I, invariably, right. everybody just a pin drops when I ask that question because they all know <laughs> the answer is No. And they kind of rehearse in their head, and they're like, man, if I let her tell me that I'm, you know, a stupid idiot and I should have never hit it in the water, and wow, how could I do that, and I know better. And, and it's like on and on and on, and they're like, no, I would never allow you to say that to me. But I'm like, so then why is it okay that you say it to you? And so when you bring up that question and you really ask it in kind of a real context, it's you know, it's like, wow, I I guess I I guess I guess need to, sh- you know, kind of upgrade my my own talk in my own head. And and, and I'm, I had one of my students say that she even heard, um, uh, let's see, who was that, that she heard on the PGA Tour here at the memorial. Uh, she Well, I can't even remember recall who it was. but she goes, wow, even he has to, even he has to, he said, this hole just gets me every time, you know. He plays it bad right. every time. And she said, <laughs> I heard him say that to his caddy. And she's like, Alicia, I can't believe it. The guy's in the PGA Tour, he's making millions, and he actually has to deal with this and fight it. And I'm like, yes, we all do. And so you have to be right. your own best friend out there.
0: Right. And that's why really I wanted to to make that point about Cindy, you know, here's somebody that plays, mm-hmm. uh, has played on, on the professional tours. And I, I, you know, I just want the folks that are tuning in that, that don't have that privilege to understand that, that yes, the professionals might hit the ball better and might, uh, you know, score better than, than you or, or, or I, but at the same time, they have some of those internal dialogues, the same as you and I have uh, on occasion as well. And they're fighting those same demons, if you will, uh, any given day. Mm -hmm. So um, they're just like you and I, I think sometimes we have a habit of putting people on a little bit of a pedestal, just like the young lady you were talking about a second ago, where she thought, well, wow, that, you know, that person's a PJ player. I never thought they felt the same way or they would, you know, think the same way. Right. Um, Right. And, and this is where I think that, you know, we have to make them understand and it it draws to a bigger question. And I've always felt this way and I was very glad um, that you've really focused your book around this. Um, But you'd really talk about the connections between life and golf. And I've said this Mm -hmm. since I was knee high, knee high to a grasshopper. Um, And and there's really a whole bunch of areas that we can talk about, but specifically um, just again, for the, for the sake of the audience, let's sort of water it down a little bit um give us an example of of how you perceive it to be similar um in golf to life
1: mm. yeah there wow well, we'd have to have another couple hours for that one ted but I, it's <laughs> it's it is it's like i'm gonna yeah like choke it down really quickly that's okay. why said,
0: um, that's why i said yeah. water it down least.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my goodness um well let's see i have found that it was it was it was actually quite stunning to me when you know i was becoming more aware of the fact that the issues that people are dealing with uh in their golf game and i i would hardly know them and i might have just met them you know and this is the first lesson i've ever given them and i can think of three ladies that i had together and they were you know one those one was self proclaimed a perfectionist and and but yet she was really worried about people behind her playing, and you know, she didn't. She had to have a good, perfect swing so she'd hit the ball good and not make them wait, and she wouldn't be in the way. And she just, you know, she it was just all it was nerve-wracking. And so, you know, I I just, you know, kind of just on a whim said, "So, are you a perfectionist?" "Oh yeah." And I said, "You know, how long do you think you've been that way?" And she's like, "Oh, for as long as I can remember." And then she then discloses a family you know, a a family issue with her father that her father made her feel like she had to be a perfectionist. And here's a woman who's 60 something. And, and so it was like, it was like a life issue. Then it transitioned into her golf game. And so I, I, that was just intriguing to me that all of these, there's so many situational stories I could share with that. But um, I believe that a lot of our thoughts and our patterns and, you know, the, the things that we've done in life, it, and we have a tendency to say, start believing that, well, there's something in golf that I can't do or, and there's really, I mean, everybody can achieve anything that they put their mind to. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I just start believing I can't hit a three-wood off the fairway and then right. you start believing that. But if I teach them to hit a three-wood off the fairway where I teach them something they believe they never could actually achieve, then if I if I if I talked to them and said, Look, you you know, if they actually at the end of the day or at the end of the lesson walked away and said, Man, what if I apply that to something in my business or my at my workplace that I just achieved something I never imagined and then all of a sudden I did and now I'm gonna apply that to work. So it it's it, there's so many interchangeable right. things with with golf and life and the parallels that I you can't you can't think about this sport and you can't think about I couldn't think about this first book without Without having, because it was so many life scenarios that, that right. the self-talk in, you know, both in my golf and life. So, I just came up with the idea of having one chat, one word chapter titles, and and have it be really, you could go one way with golf, or you could go one way with life, and it would be applicable to both. So,
0: right, and, and it's very. Um, by the way, it's very well written. Um, I I enjoyed reading it. Thank you, Thank you. Um, for for sending me a copy. Um, you know, it's interesting yeah. because you know when I one of the things that I do when I teach. Um, and I always forewarn, uh, you know, any, um, students, obviously anyone that's worked with me for any length of time knows not to say this anymore, but, um, you know, I'll ask mm-hmm. them what, what areas do they fear the most? And what they don't realize is I'm actually setting them up a little bit. And I had somebody not too long ago sure. to come up and say, you know, Ted, Ted, I just hate going in the bunker. I, I just, you know, it's my fear and, you know, it just, it's the worst shot I have in the bag and, you know, so on and on. And, and then they, by the way, what are we working on today? And I said, well, we're going in the bunker. <laughs>
1: that's where we're going to go.
0: We're going to start, you know, because it's, if you're hitting your, like you said, if you're hitting your three wood or you're, you're great, a great putter or whatever, why do I want to start somewhere where you've already um, become well accomplished? I want to start areas and help you overcome those fears because you're exactly right. There's nothing worse than, than, you know, getting out in the golf course and automatically in your mind, you see that shot that you fear the most coming up. Well, Mm -hmm. here I am in that fairway bunker uh I, I can't do that or even on the t they'll see that that bunker out there or they'll see a situation out there that they know um they're going to shy away from so they're going to avoid that that trouble if you will and ultimately end up getting themselves in even more trouble um so yeah. you know that's yeah. a life lesson in itself um the other thing you know too that that i think um you know is, is important about that is when we talk about successes and failures and, and I want to read something real quick. And I thought this is, this just hits it on the head. Um, one of the other things I want to talk to you about was some of the great uh, individual quotes that you have throughout the book, everybody from Muhammad Ali to uh, Socrates. And this one here, I want to read just sums it up all, all together. This was by Julie Andrews, of course, uh, persevering, failing 19 times and succeeding the 20th. I mean, does that mm-hmm. not really epitomize life? I mean, how many times that we go through life, where we fail at a multitude of things, but then, and it's just like hitting that that perfect golf shot. You know, we get out in the, the tee or we get out in the golf course and we have some some bad shots, but we'll hit that one shot and that brings us back. Well, it's the same thing in mm. life. That success will bring us back. Touched on that a little bit. How true is that statement that Julie talks about?
1: Oh, it's it's so true. And it, it you know, the, I those quotes that I put in the book. I, you know, I looked high and low for those, and then I've had many others, you know, including those in addition to the ones I put in the book, but when I, when I wanted to put them in, you know, where they are placed, it was, they are strategically placed in there, you know, and with, with a lot of really thought in the selection of them, because they're so, they're so important. Um, I, you know, as far as, as far as, like, just the idea of a golf shot, and you, you know, you wanting to avoid it, and not being prepared, and, and not, mm. you know, and then I'm facing fear and I'm feeling vulnerable and all that stuff, you know, that's, you know, I, I talked to this girl yesterday and I said, you know, if you, this is, I'm sure people have heard about this where we talk about baseball percentages, you know, when somebody's batting, right? you know, in the 300s, they're just an awesome batter. I mean, and that's hitting, you know, mm-hmm. three balls out of 10. And so, you know, if, if you can think about just kind of <clears> conceptually, <throat> I'm not going to hit every golf shot perfect because the golf is not a game of perfect. And I just, met with somebody a little while ago and, and Dr. Bob Rotella in this article that I gave her said, you know, if you're thinking about golf as being perfect and having to hit a perfect shot all the time, when you know golf is imperfect, then you right. maybe <laughs> just, maybe you don't even like golf. You you might not even like golf right. if you think it's perfect
0: because
1: there's <laughs> so much imperfection right. in golf right. that, you know, you just got, you have to embrace that. You You've got to put your arms around the fact that you know the, the i keep telling my students the object of golf is to get the ball in the hole in the least amount of strokes and so if a woman is struggling on a tee on a tea box with a driver and she can't get over all the high grass and now i tell her to hit a 7 wood because she gets airtime and it's more forgiving and and she's like wow i you know that that just takes away her fear and she yeah. doesn't have to avoid yeah. anything and you know it's 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 preparing that's why preparation is one of the chapter titles of you you know you you set your student in the bunker to face a fear so that they you know they'll feel more prepared because it's simply just do it over and over again because you can't avoid it you can't avoid the ups and downs of life you just got to be able to embrace them just like you do a bad golf shot and and then and then maybe the areas that you don't you know you feel most vulnerable don't don't turn your back on them i mean just go after them and that's exactly what people in life have to do just go after, you know, your fears or face them or go after a dream that you've had, you know, a big, you know, you've always wanted to do this and you know your passions and, you know, just go after them and and you're going to have bumps along the way, but uh, if your fear, you know, if you face it and you have uh, enough determination, uh, you'll get there. You 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 know, Doctor Shag gave me a great metaphor that I share with my students mm-hmm. a lot. If mm-hmm. you have a like like the idea of a road and you, you, you have yourself here at this end of the road and you've got your goal at the other end. And he said, you know, everything that you do, if you have that big goal and that big dream uh, that you want to do, what you're doing along that path to get to that goal, you know, make sure it's always serving you to to reach that. Right. And if there's any distractions that are, you know, not like, so if somebody says I really want to shoot a good score and they have three, two or three areas of their game that are not good, it's not serving them to just walk away from them and avoid them. They must face them and so that their score can get better. So if there's something that's diverting you and and taking you off the path to getting your goal, then just, you've got to, you've got to walk away from it and say, nope, that's not serving me to get to that goal. So I must move on. And I love that. that... No, that's a great,
0: that's a great point. And, and, you know, also too, I think to just add to that, I think a lot of people get frustrated because they, you know, they, they maybe have a goal, you know, a long-term goal in mind and they get, sort of perplexed because there's not a straight line to that that goal they don't understand that sometimes they might have to take a little turn over here um, or a little twist over here but as long as they keep their eye on that goal um, they'll eventually get themselves back on track some take a little longer than others and and it's interesting because um, you know so many people uh, you know um, John Maxwell wrote uh, has written many many great books, but he's written a book yeah. um, that I think is very very applicable to this, and it's it's called Failing Forward. And mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of people on their way to their goal or their journey in life will have some sort of a setback or a failure, uh, as some call it, and it will derail them to such a degree that they lose sight of that long term vision, and. You know He talks about in the book, and I won't get into a lot of it, um, go out and get it on Amazon or somewhere, but um, Failing Forward yeah. is a great book because it talks about really the importance of learning from that failure, um, you know, taking the knowledge out of that, that particular incident and using it as a way to propel you forward into the next um, task, if you will. And and that right. goes to what Julie talks about here in this quote, is, you know, failing the first 19 times but succeeding on the 20th. Well, you'll never succeed mm-hmm. on the 20th if you give up after the first failure. So, um, you know, Dr. Shad uh, Helmsetter is very, very right in what he said um, about having um, that that line, if you will. I want to mm-hmm. also ask you, which is something else, another area that that a lot of people – um, and you talk about it very, uh, very well in chapter 10, which, and, and again, I don't want to get into everything about the book cause we want people to buy it and, and read it. But, uh, chapter 10, uh, discusses change. Um, so my question to you is why do we as humans have what you describe as a love hate
1: relationship with change? Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> that... <laughs> that's another <laughs> book. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, my job is, it's kind of funny because, um, I'll, I'll have students and they, you know, they'll they'll pay me to to give them a golf instruction, you know, golf instruction and a lesson, and and invariably they know that I'm going to change something, yet when uh-huh. I change that, they're going to resist and they'll put up that like that just feels too weird. I can't I can't do that, you know. Yeah. I mean, so you know, I keep reminding them, you know, that and I'll I'll usually preface that with saying, you know, we we need to embrace the, the idea of change because change isn't always all that bad. I I had something happen here recently where. I kind of had an epiphany of my own where uh, I moved here 15 years ago for uh, for the inside, um, the ability to teach 12 months a year and have, you know, teach inside a, a dome and I you right. know, moved my kids cross, you know, six, 800 miles and, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, the dome closes and, Mm-hmm. I always said, oh, I don't mind change. I love change. I think it's great. You know, it's stimulating, and, you know, there's something always new on the other side. And, you know, so it's, it was interesting to find myself in such a big transitional change myself, having written about uh-huh. it and, you know, listen to my, you know, students, you know, kind of reluctance to it. And But all of a sudden, I was like, wow, I, I, I thought to myself, I, I think that I'm really having trouble with this particular change because it wasn't it wasn't my idea that I, you know, was going to close the dome. (laughs) And so I was like trying to say, you know, I'll, I like change when I was, okay, I'm going to, you know, well, let's say y'all decide, you know, you're, you you decide it's time to move and you're going to sell your house or whatever. You've made that change. You've made that decision. And um, so it's like when that change happened and it wasn't my choice, it was like, it seemed harder for me to, you know, accept, but, but in the midst of all of that i would keep telling myself which you know during that time even though i wrote about it and i know it's inherent that we're all going to experience a change i mm-hmm. i am fully aware of the fact that it's it's in our lives all the time but i was wrestling with that quite a bit but i during that time this is where my own self talk helped me through it because i would i would i would try to find the good silver lining you know i would try to find okay i don't know what that what's on the other side of that you know, what's on the other side of this whole change thing, but I'm going to trust that it's going to be okay. So see, that's my self-talk that I was going on through the process, whereas if I were maybe more of a negative sorter, I could look at the glass, as they say, half empty instead of half full. Right. And so that self-talk kind of helps you through that adversity uh, that you have. And so that was, you know, change is so critical to our growth. And, and we feel vulnerable right. when we, when somebody changes something on the lesson T I can literally move a club face from a little tiny bit <clears> closed <throat> to square. And people think it's mixes up and goofs up their whole golf swing. I mean, literally I'm like, right. they're like, that's just too weird. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all I did. And it was only yeah. a visual, it had nothing to do with anything in their whole swing. It was just a visual, like seriously, you know, square the club face up a little bit. And they're like, Oh, that's just, that's just too weird. I can't, I don't know if I can do that. And, you know, so that I I'm really sensitive to and empathetic to knowing that people some people really hate it and some people moderately don't like it and some people are okay with it and you know so it's just kind of everybody deals with it differently.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that because I had a student years ago that was very similar to that except for they took it a, a, a little bit further. Um, I, I, they had the same, they had the same thing where they, you know, their club face was closed. And, and before I actually moved it, I, you know, I had them take their address position and I, I said, I'm just going to get down and I'm going to just adjust the, the club face a little bit so you can yeah. see what it looks like square. <laughs> and they actually took, yeah. they actually took a step back. They, they literally took a step back for me. Like I was going to club them to death or something. They just yeah. looked at me, and what are you going to do? And I, and I said, come on, get back yeah. to your address position. You know, because they—they again—they—they they weren't anticipating a change, and they were fearful of mm-hmm. it. And I, I gotta—I gotta read out one of the other quotes that I found very interesting, because again, it's so true. Um, Dr. Deepak Chopra um, w- wrote this mm-hmm. quote, and uh, all great changes are preceded by
1: chaos. Now, how true is that? Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I mean. You know, and, and I, you know, everybody, like I said, everybody's so individualistic and I look at everybody as, a, you know, like a new painting or a piece of pottery that I'm, form, you know, shaping. And and so people will, you know, some people will embrace change a little faster and, and, and they'll they'll, I can really sense when it's like a really a big, big deal. They're like, you know, oh, I don't know if I can deal with this. And some people are like, okay, I'll, and then I'll get their grip to where it's, you know, feels like, okay, that's where I want it. And they'll tell me the first four or five swings is really weird. But within 15 or 20 minutes, they're like, you know what? Uh, you know, this it, it, it feels pretty good. It feels okay now. And so yeah. it doesn't take much time sometimes if you if you make a mental commitment to saying, you know, I'm just going to do this because it's about, it's about really you and I as golf instructors trying to change, a, you know, a, a bit of a habit that somebody's created mm-hmm. and we're trying to bridge the gap to a new habit that we want. All we want them to be is a little more fundamentally sound. And, right. and be able to be, you know, have good fundamentals, and then just some, a basic swinging motion, you know, it just it just and so that they can literally enjoy the game. I, I don't, I, I mean, it's just a, it's a matter of the change is okay, and if you can just, our job is to walk with them and and walk with them yeah. through that mud, and just say it's okay. When we get out of here, we're going to both be muddy together, <laughs> and then we'll clean right. off and we'll <laughs> we'll move forward, and you have a new grip. <laughs> So.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, and 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 you're right. It, 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 some people are, are slower to change than others, and and again, it's it's how uh, I mean. You pointed out eloquently there a moment ago is is you know you you have to treat everybody as a blank canvas, and you have to look at them yeah. uh, as as they're different. Uh, what works for one may not work for another. Uh, through mm-hmm. your your process, and especially getting ready for this book, uh, as you mentioned, you know you've you've had uh, over 30 years of experience in in, in the golf profession um where have from the self-taught perspective who do you find has the most difficulty or have you come across men or women do you think in that area do you find the biggest challenge
1: um they i don't know if it's a Would they be it's mm, i don't know if challenges i mean i i understand what you meant by challenge but i think that um uh i think well, I, women I, the have the reason a why i time, felt
0: Yeah, I I just let me let me preface this a little bit and clarify exactly what I mean. I I think that a lot of women, and I'm obviously talking about the amateur women out there, um, because they, you know, at an amateur level, not as many women have been introduced to the game over the years as men have. Obviously, it was a male dominance dominated sport outside of the professional side of it for many, many years. And now more and more women, of course, are, are gravitating to, to the game. So I think there's a confidence level difference between men and women when it comes to that. So do you find when you, when you're working with some of your female students um, and you're trying to, uh, you know, get them to sort of embrace that self talk do you find them a little bit more apprehensive um, or, or difficult to, to get them to, to understand that, that concept um, Than you do your your male students, or or do you find it about equal?
1: No, I actually find the me, the male students are more difficult to um, get the point across about the importance of self talk. Right. Men ma- ma- men are not wanting to. Oh, that's nice. Um, kind of. They, I mean, the guys <laughs> that I've taught and you know like. Right. Uh, I it was funny at the Columbus golf show. You know, there would be people walking by and they're like literally laughing at my book, thinking you know, oh yeah, sure, I talk to myself all the time. And they, they, you know, the concept of the self-talk was kind of like, and it was okay. I, 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 I'm kind of thick-skinned when it comes to that, and I, I just said, you know, they, they didn't really get the point of it. But my, I think women are much more open to listening to the idea and how it affects them, and you know, saying, you know, gosh, I, I've had more women that have actually opened up and said, you know, things like. You know, I just realized that everybody in my office likes, you know, likes me, and because I'm really nice to everybody except myself, and so they'll right. have that epiphany, and just, you know, and guys will, some guys will. I've got a student of mine that, you know, just texted me and said, "Wow, this book is exactly what I needed," and mm-hmm. thank you so much. But, you know, so it's I I would say that men are less apt to. <clears throat> Uh, to, you know, talk about this and listen and, you know, maybe just hear it out a little bit than women, but that, you know, certainly I've had both men and women being very affected by my message in the book for sure.
0: Right. And I think, and I agree with that. I think probably part of the reason is I think in, in this type of environment, I think women tend to be more supportive of one another. Um, You know, especially if they're new to the game, you know, they want to encourage one another. They want to be, you know, whereas the guys, if, you know, Bob duck hooks it into the pond, um, you know, th- that's, that's the brunt of the joke for the next week in the office. So, um, you know, th- there's more mm. humor, um, I think from the male side of it. So they're not really, um, you know, maybe grappling as, as quickly to, to this concept, but, you know, th- th- the truth of the matter is I-, I think in any aspect, as we talked about a moment ago in, in golf and life, and, and this is something else I want to bring up, and I'm going to go from, from chapter 10 again. Um, uh-huh. what I really like about this book is at the end of all the chapters, Um, you you lay out the the golf lesson pertaining to that particular chapter and then the life lesson. And I'm just going to very quickly read from chapter 10, uh, the golf lesson, and then subsequently the the life lesson. Uh, Under the golf lesson, you put change in your golf game is is a constant uh, as we are always changing or always challenged to improve through our development as a player, both in our mechanics and the mental game. The natural elements change daily as well, as Mother Nature always has her part to play in what we deal with. Our challenge is to embrace change, feel its presence, and realize in the the big picture, it's all about the process, uh, and we will forever have to adjust. And in the life Mm -hmm. lesson, uh, your life has a natural ebb and flow of change built into it. From the moment you were born, your life has been changing. Ride the waves of change, know that it happens, and look for the good in all of it. Keep in mind that when you feel uncomfortable while change is happening, you may feel a little vulnerable, which you pointed out earlier. It's part of the growth process and you will feel more confident when time passes. It's okay. Um, you know, I I really like the fact that you did this because uh, again, you tie together, um, both the life aspect and the golf aspect and how they're very similar. Um, and then you, you know, obviously give some other examples throughout the book, but, I really like how you did that because I don't think people really understand just how much the two are very similar to one another. The same types of challenges that we face out in the golf course, um, whatever whether it be a bunker, whatever it be uh, the climate that we're in at that particular day, whatever it is, is going to affect the outcome of our day and what we talk about inside our head. Uh, as we navigate around the course is going to uh, uh, affect the outcome of that round. And the same thing in our daily lives. So I really like the way you tied the two together throughout the book.
1: Yeah, it's, as I mentioned before, you know, it was imperative to me that 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 was in place for this book because uh, I – you know, this, my, my lack of ability to, you know, stop being hard on myself and then finding out that, you know, that's, that's really not, it's not serving me in any fashion, you know, in my life. And so, uh, you know, to just sit there and, you know, verbally just repeat and repeat something that maybe not be in your best interest uh, is just really programming yourself to either set yourself up for failure or set yourself up for success. And so, when we can choose one or the other and and gosh i don't know who in the world wouldn't be saying you know i, I want to succeed i want to be i want to be loved i want to be a good person i want to give back i want to do nice things for people and the first you know the first real step in that is to just you know love yourself for who you are and you know if there's something you don't like about yourself then change if it's if it's a habit that's not good then change it and you, the strongest program dr shad has mentioned many times to us in our in our certification process the the strongest mm-hmm. program always wins. So if you're, you know, whatever you're saying to yourself the most often is is what's going to, you know, going to become reality. And I I I was faced right. with that the other day. I have, I have a little 10-year-old student that she's in my academy actually and she she wants to play college golf and she's she's only in 5th grade and there's a little boy on the on the bus that tells her all the time that she can't play golf because she's fat. And she's not fat at mm-hmm. all. And so right. we were, you know, I, right. I I met with all the parents, and you know, I I I got a new manual for the academy, and you know, sat down with everybody and kind of went over some things individually about each one of their daughters, and and I was I was talking to this young little girl. I said, you know, so are there things that you say to yourself that you may, maybe maybe aren't not aren't are not so nice? And she's like, well, yeah, I do have one that I say a lot, and and I said, what is that? And she goes, I tell myself that I'm fat, and she's hmm. just heard that from other people. And so I told her that, you know, whatever you keep saying is creating a little superhighway in your brain. And, you know, she eventually, if somebody doesn't stop that little girl from telling herself that she's fat or helping her, and I sent her a little um, email today because I asked her, I said, okay, if you could replace that word, fat, with a word that would better serve you to give you confidence, what would it be? And she sat and thought for a second, and she goes, "Uh, I'm unique. And I said, you absolutely mm-hmm. are. That's perfect. So I sent her an email message this morning, and I said, I hope you have a great day. And you are, I, I, you know, I see the uniqueness in you. You are an, a unique person with, and amazing, and with a lot of talent. And you know, you got to, you know, share your smile today, whatever. So you're, you know, I, I'm trying to make that program the stronger program, so that she gets rid of the idea that she thinks she's fat because she's not. So the strongest program yeah. will win. So. It's really it's a it's it's a powerful powerful thing, and you'll notice in the title of my book it says the powerful the powerful role of self-talk. You know, it wasn't the positive you know the positive role right. of self-talk in the mind. It was a powerful role of it. It can go either way. So, you know, we can make choices, and in the back of the book, you the the acronym of CAR. I tell my students that all the time. You know, choices, awareness, and repetition, and you know the awareness part of what you're saying to yourself is so key and then make a choice to change that if it's not good or if it is just repeat it. So just keep that going all, all the time. And, and, you know, you'll change your thought processes and, and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, reach your potential a lot greater if you, if you are thinking that way versus if you're thinking negatively.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly and, and, um, tell your, your student that in the event that that advice does not work, that, uh, the next best thing is to roll her fingers uh, and her hand into a ball and, and punch the young man directly in the square nose. Uh, if And if that, does <laughs> and yeah. that, that should, uh, that should solve the problem right away. Um, <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I don't, I don't advocate violence. So if she's happened to be listening to this show or hears this stuff, I yeah. take that back. But no, you, you, you raise a, a very good point. You know, when I was going through school, uh, you know, I was six foot four and, and skinny and whatnot. And, you know, I, I was, i was very fortunate because i uh, i had a very quick uh wit if you will so when when people would make comments which unfortunately in in public school and in junior schools and things like that you always mm-hmm. get some razzing and stuff uh, i was very very quick-witted so i could come back with something to deflect it onto the person that was was insulting me um, but i used to do that with others that were being picked on i would always use myself as a shield and deflect the attention onto myself from that other person. Because, you know, you, again, kids are kids and um, they don't yeah. realize that the words uh, can be harmful. And it's good that, that you're helping to teach this young lady um, at a very early age how to handle something like that without really making a big case about, well, he's a bully or he's this or he's that. You're, you're teaching her skills and techniques from which you're using in this book um, to really be able to say to herself to to change that internal dialogue if you will, because if not, hmm. this is why you know fast forward twenty thirty years from now um there's people out there that are still affect you know feeling the effects of something that happened in their childhood um so right
1: it's really uh, it, it's amazing because I did a presentation one time uh to a business um that has you know like uh, community business you know, uh, buildings and stuff around town here and in uh, a b- big company and there was a woman in there I did a sticky notes presentation where I have them write down things that maybe they've been told over the years and that were positive or negative and we do the positive or negative first whichever one and then I'll I'll put them in a pile and then I'll take some out and I'll I'll say now you know they're all anonymous so you don't know yeah, right and, the one the one woman, uh, a woman wrote, or there one of the notes, sticky notes said um, that uh, her mother had always told her she never wanted her. She just wanted, she never really wanted her. She just wanted her brother. So she was kind of a mistake. Yeah. And so this woman's like 35. So she's heard all her life that her mother said, I never yeah. really even wanted you. And so that's just, that... I, you know, that again, you can hear a pin drop when you hear some of that stuff. And I had a, one of my own golf students take some of those negative statements and face me. And I said, now look, I, I'm I'm not going to personalize this. It's not going into my psyche right now when you say this. But I want you to say some of these. There's five negative statements that some of the girls said that you know have been told to them, and or they've said to themselves. And I want you to read them and look at me and say them as if it's you're saying it to me and she actually in the first one she looked up at the at me and looked at the sticky note and she she just couldn't read it. She's like I can't even say this to you Alicia. You're uh, you know because of how much I respect you and and love you as an instructor and she goes I I literally cannot and I said no please just read it. I want everybody to feel what it's like to feel all that negativity in a room. And so, you know, I made her read all five of them to me and she said it was one of the hardest things she's ever done. And so, you know, you maybe don't realize all the negativity that's going on in your system and, the you know, the, the the hormonal stuff that you're producing to make you feel really down and out when things, you know, when you're saying stuff to yourself that's just not productive or not, you know, nice or anything to that effect, you know. It's just, uh, and that's why I wrote the book. I want, I think golfers are putting, they're self-sabotaging themselves. I, I really believe right. that. I think, you know, there's, there's so many, you know. Give me, I take no lessons. Hurry up and get, you know. I gotta buy more, and I gotta find the the greatest, newest, latest Fandango equipment, and that's gonna help me score better. And nothing, I mean, <laughs> you could have a perfect golf swing, which we know there's nothing like that. And you, no. could, and, and if you have a mental meltdown, and you and you don't believe in yourself on the course, you're going to sabotage your own potential and your own goals, very very quickly. You could have the top of the line stuff, and the, you know, lessons for years and years and years. And I'm not saying I'm, I don't. I don't want people to stop saying lessons, but I do know no. that their goals are getting self-sabotaged by their own mental talk, self-talk that's going up in their brain.
0: Well, you're, you're exactly right, and I think what a lot of it too is, Alicia. I think that there, there are, uh, a lot of people are coming in um, with an attitude just because of the way society has become. Uh, with time restrictions, you know, well, they're always in a rush. Everybody's in a hurry nowadays. So, yeah. um, you know, they want, they want the quick fix, you know, before, you know, mm-hmm. you could, you could do a, a group of lessons and, you know, plan things out. And now it's says, well, what can you do for me today? And, you know, I'm, I'm playing in a tournament next weekend or, you know, two weeks from now and, and I've got this terrible, you know, X, Y, or Z. And what can you do for me, Ted or Alicia, you know, what can you do? And, and, you know, yeah. d- dig into your, your magical bag there and, and, pull me at a trick that's going to fix me for you know for the tournament and you and i know mm. that that's just uh or or i was thinking of buying this this new xyz driver that's guaranteed to get me an extra oh, yeah. 20 or 30 yards and it's like lord just you know shoot save me money. now because yeah exactly <laughs> save your money and i said yeah. look i said you take some lessons from me and 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 i'll get you doing things right and and, um, you know, save that money, you know, for something, you know, buy your wife a nice gift with it or something like that. Forget about, you know, buying that new driver. And, and you know, what's funny well, because yeah. I, I had, you know, because I had somebody on the range um, about a year ago, I guess, and he was t- this very same thing. And he wanted to go. He said, well, I'm, I've been going to the different golf places around here and I've been into the pro shop here and been looking at this new and I, I'm not going to give the name of the driver, but, uh, you know, new driver yeah. in that. And I always carry this old driver that I kid you not. I have my my good driver, but I I always have this old driver that I literally got at a flea market twenty five years oh. ago, <laughs> and it, it it's an old old um oh it's actually a Spalding. It's it's a persimmon, and so yeah, if you can remember for those of you that don't know a persimmon, it's a wood uh, headed driver and uh, yeah. wood headed club, and they you don't. Can't get them anymore um, except for on a special order. But anyways, and I I teed up a ball and I hit with my good driver and then I teed up one and hit with this other. And obviously the the metal wood is going to go a little bit further. But he was impressed enough to see how well I struck the ball with this old persimmon. And he said, well, I don't don't get it. And I said, well, it's not the club. It's Mm -hmm. how I connect the club to the golf ball. It yeah. makes the difference. It's how I'm swing, and they don't understand that. And they think, like you said, they're trying to buy their golf swing, and you can't do that. Um, and even with golf lessons, I mean, you've got to be careful as well. You've got to do your due diligence when you're out there. There's a lot of, and I hate to say this, and you know it as well as I do. There's a lot in this industry, unfortunately. Of, again, these uh, quick fix gurus, or, or you know, buy this, you know, such and such or whatever, and it's going to do all this. And you know, they may help to a point. But if the person doesn't mm-hmm. understand the basics of, of the golf swing, it, it's not going to help. And it's just going to end up collecting dust in the garage and, uh, or in a, in the back room somewhere. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about honesty and I think that mm-hmm. we have to, as an industry, I think we have to be open and honest with the students. And I think we have to do what we can to help them. Um, but there also has to be commitment on their part. And, and I'm sure you would attest to this, how many times we've given lessons to somebody and, You know, two weeks later they're coming back for the next lesson, and they've done absolutely nothing in between. Oh yeah, and they expect that's that's happening.
1: Yeah, and expect expect some results, but you know, I (laughs) that's a challenge that we face every day. Yes, Um, but you know, the the and sometimes you know their their swing may be even somewhat repetitive, and and they they just you know they they might want to go to the next level, but. But you know, I I my I'm I'm one step away from getting my master's level status in the LPGA, and my thesis paper that I'm I've got to put I've I've got a proposal that's partially done, but the whole concept and the idea of what I'm trying to emphasize is, I I really believe that you know when when we talk about why people aren't wanting to play golf, you know, or they're quitting golf, and it you know it's too expensive and it takes too long and and that sort of thing, and and they quit. Uh, I I think that there's a lot. More golfers that would stay in it if they wouldn't get so frustrated, and I, I believe yeah. that golf instructors have an obligation to start incorporating more mental game techniques and coping mechanisms and, and styles of instead of just, you know, you got to buy more lessons from me. I I, I would yeah. like to just take them away from the lesson tee sometimes, and I do with my with my academy girls, and I'm like we hammer this all the time, and so I put together the academy for people, young girls that want to play competitive high school and college golf and and we'll have super Saturday sessions where it's mind game stuff and, and it is away from the lesson mm-hmm. tee because the, the you know the hitting of the golf ball is just a real small fraction it's 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 right. it's, it's, the, it's the uh the whole concept of golf it is what golf is you know I, I hit that ball in the hole but but yet once we kind of get that swing down a little bit and i believe golf professionals have this incredible obligation to to not uh you know get so caught up in in the you know where all the mechanical stuff now I now I say that with the, uh with this in mind that my coach uh used to tell me there's no mental toughness and you know positive mm-hmm. attitudes that are going to overcome a, a mechanical flaw. And so, you know, you and right. I both know right. we want get, we want right. we want to get you know some pretty good fundamentals. And you got to have a you know swinging in balance because mm-hmm. that's one of the chapter titles. Yep. And you got to have some mm-hmm. basic concepts. I call them big umbrella kind of concepts you know in place. But for the most part, I mm-hmm. think that once that's down and they kind of know the you know the, the ins and outs of golf and some of the etiquette and the, you know the basic rules and know there's you know feel comfortable going to a golf course they they really do need to learn some of those um, those uh, coping mechanisms to help them deal with the adversity and the pressures they feel of people behind them or having to hit perfect golf shots. And how do you deal with all that stuff in your head? I mean, you can't run faster. You can't exert. No. I've given golf lessons to NBA, prof- or NBA players and NFL players, and, they are looking at me, going, "This kicks my butt more than any sport because yeah. it's just I can't go. I'm not on a team, and it's just me and the golf right. course, and I have nowhere right. to let go of my negative thoughts and feelings and pressures right now. And I just got to walk calmly down a fairway. Thank you. Sure. No, they they don't. They want to have some sort of way to exert it, and they don't have any way. So that forces you to, to really look inward and be able to handle your emotions because it's just about you and the golf course, and it's it's, it's the two of you and. You got to deal with that adversity. So, golf pros, I think yeah, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to yeah. step it up. You know, it's it. I, I really feel like that has to that has to that has to change. I think the industry needs to to uh, you know have more of that out there, and that's my that's part of why I wrote the book too.
0: Yeah, and I agree wholeheartedly. And I think that, you know that really elevates a, a great point as well you know, if you notice that most, a lot of athletes, of course, as they get to retirement age or some certainly jump into it beforehand, that gravitate to golf, if you notice that most of the um, athletes that play an individual sport tend to Mm -hmm. gravitate easier to golf than those that play in a team sport. And it's the same thing if you look at the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup and that, um, you know, you, you find some players, I mean, look at Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, when he was on his own Um, was a phenomenal golfer, but you put him in the Ryder Cup and, you know, suddenly he wasn't shining as much um, because Mm -hmm. he was not used to being in a team format. And so it's a very difficult transition. And this is where you really have to, uh, because you can no longer rely on just your own self-reliance because now you've got a partner out there with you that you have to really um, work together with as you navigate in in your matches. And, um, you know, when you're on a team, uh, you've got somebody else reaffirming making sure that you're making that, you know, the, the decisions are right. So it, you've got your teammates to rely on, um, you know, as you navigate through down the basketball court or uh, around the ball yeah. diamond or whatever, you know, you've got your, you've got your buddies in there um, to, to sort of work off of one another. But when you're out in the golf course, it's you and the breeze uh, and that yeah. little white ball that you're chasing around for 18 holes. So you're right. It, it's extremely important that that self-talk dialogue um, helps you to, to achieve that. At um, least yeah. I want to thank you for for number one writing this book um mm-hmm. i think it's a it's a fantastic book and i want to thank you for coming on golf talk live tonight and and being my guest I, i've really enjoyed the conversation and i want to give you an opportunity to let the folks know uh where they can get their hot little hands on a copy of the book
1: well i appreciate you um you know saying that because i i i'm it's a. It was. I always jokingly say it was a, my. It was the birth of my fourth child. But it's not. I guess it didn't take quite that long. But <laughs> I, I'm. No, I'm not done writing books, and I, I'm. There'll be some other ones that'll come out. But for right now, this is the first one, and I appreciate your your compliments on that. I really do. It's. It was a. It was a labor of love, and and I really want the. I really want to end. It and I'll, I'll let them know where they can get this. But I really want to let people know that mm-hmm. uh, they. The, the, there's there's other things out there that can you know that can help you not get frustrated with this game and I, I don't want people to quit the game because it's such a great game mm-hmm. and such so, so many things to offer a person so uh, you know don't give up on it uh, you know read the book there might be a little nugget or two in there that you can mm-hmm. that you can take and and just kind of you know apply it to how you're doing or ask your golf instructor you know, for some advice on what they would do. And if they, you know, if, if anybody wants to reach out to me, they sure can. I I, my, my website is on the back and you can email me. So I'm always open. If somebody wants to connect with me, I am more than willing to try to, you know, help them through and talk through some of that stuff. Uh, but you can certainly go on Amazon and uh, mm-hmm. to amazon.com and it's on there. Just plug in the missing link and my name and uh, make sure that uh you spell my name correctly because there's different ways to spell it uh, as far as the first and last name. So Larson is with an E and not an O. So there's different different things there. But um, uh, you know, it's at on Amazon.com and uh, with uh, my name spelled correctly, I think that'll be pretty good to you know get you in the right place. So the book cover comes perfect. right up well, and, and find it.
0: It, it. It's perfect. And just to to add further to that, um, for those listening to the show tonight, Chapter 12, perseverance, is a good word to remember yeah. as well. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to be persevered. You're exactly right, Alicia. I, I think that you know a lot of people that have gotten away from the game, obviously there's a multitude of reasons. Timing is, is one. A lot of people are very busy in their lives. And we understand that as golf professionals. Um, but I think, and I've said this for, for many years, Um, I I think that golf has to, has to change. I mean, they've gone very aggressively after the women's market, which I think is fantastic and, and certainly need to even do more than that. I think number one, the other thing that they need to do in addition to just getting women play is to get more women wanting to teach golf. Uh, it's one thing for them to yeah. play, but to get them to teach golf, uh, to get those numbers up, because I think once more, more and more women, because women always like to give back, they always like to be involved, they like to, to to help other people. And I think when they get in, at least any of the L P J pros that I've talked to, they just get a, a ton of satisfaction of helping others out on the out on the, uh, the golf course or or on the lesson tee. So um, let's get some more ladies out there, um, you know, in in the uh, the teaching side of golf as well as the playing. Um, but Absolutely. the other thing is, I think. Yeah, I think another evolution of golf, um, especially in this day and age, is family golf. Uh, You know, golf courses are crying. They're saying they're trying to get their numbers up. They're trying to get more people out to play. Um, Let's go after the family market. Let's get some, especially some of these young families out there, or even uh, some grandparents, get their grandkids out in the golf course. Uh, Create some incentives to get them to come out there. You know, even if you've got to massage the the, the numbers a little bit to make it, you know, feasible so that it's not going to break the bank, Um, But, you know, have have some, um, you know, it can't be all about uh, junior uh, tournaments and funneling into the tours and things like that. And and with these junior programs, I think they're fantastic and there's a place for them. But I think for everyday folk that maybe don't have aspirations of playing out on a professional tour, there's got to be something there for them. And I think that um there's many many opportunities i think for uh the teacher professional but also for the facilities as well to really target um the family or uh, unit if you will i think that will also help um because i think people you know parents inevitably want um to do something that they can do as a family so golf is a great game to do that and at any age um you know the kids can be little giffers to little gaffers to uh, yeah. teenagers, to young young adults, so there's no excuse. Let's get them out in the golf course. Alicia, thank you very much again for being on the show. And um, thank you. Those that want to reach out, yeah, those that want to reach out to you, uh, where's the uh, what's the website? And, uh, and oh yeah
1: uh, yes, my my website is www.gratitudegolf.com. So it's pretty easy to remember gratitudegolf.com. And there's and a place where you can you can uh, email me and I would be happy to answer any questions for anybody um, regarding, you know, their their own issues that they might have with getting on the golf course or just, you know, some of the obstacles they might be facing. And, you know, we can try to try to overcome them and, and go from there. So I, it uh, you know, go ahead and email me from there. It's gratitudegolf.com, And then you can get my book on Amazon dot com.
0: Perfect. Um, again, thank you, Alicia, for coming on the show. I'd love to have you. Uh, come back on any time. Don't wait till your next book's out. Just come back on uh, <laughs> if you've got. Uh, we can talk some great golf here, and and um, you know, anytime you've got some things that you want to share with the audience, you have an open invitation. So um, by all means, reach out. And also, I'm going to have you uh, at some point in the near future as well. Come on the other show with Cindy and I on the Women of Golf. it's a, a show that we put together to really target the women's market. So um, there'll be an opportunity mm. as well um, to extend love an invitation to. there. Okay.
1: Yes, very much so. I'd love to. It's a, it's a passion of mine. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I love what I do. And and I think that, you know, a lot of my LPGA friends and peers are uh, they're every, all of them are just such great people and we all have a real, you know, real one, one focus mission in a mind and passion to, to increase uh, golf in numbers in any, any way we can. So.
0: Well, perfect. Um, Well, Alicia, thank you very much again for coming on Golf Talk Live. Uh, Again, thank you for the book. It was a a terrific read, and I strongly recommend um, those of you tuning into the show tonight uh, or that may tune uh, tune in a little bit later uh, and listen to the recorded version, uh, go to Amazon.com and uh, you can get your little hands on a copy of Alicia Larson's book, uh, The Missing Link, The Powerful Role of Self-Talk in the Mind Game of Golf. It's a great read. I promise you that. Alicia, again, thank you very much. God bless, and have a great uh, uh, great week, and uh, I'll look forward to having you come back on the show again in the future.
1: Uh, and I look forward to that as well, Ted, and thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: You're welcome. Have Happy a great birthday. night. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. All right. That was my very special guest, Alicia Larson, uh, Class A LBJ teacher, professional and founder and president of Gratitude Golf. Uh, again, plus the author of The Missing Link, the powerful role of self-talk in the mind game of golf. Uh, truly is a great read. A lot of great information in there. Um, you know, a lot of uh, little nuggets in there, if you will, throughout the book, actually every, tra- uh, every chapter um it just sort of rolls off one another so you definitely want to make sure you get it and read through it from from uh, cover to cover um, but just go to amazon.com and uh, if you want to get your hot little hands on that and, and i also want to take this opportunity as i always do to thank um my uh listeners out there for faithfully tuning in uh each and every week to golf talk live uh, i truly do have a, a great uh, uh, pleasure and enjoyment of having a number of highly talented coaches, uh, teaching professionals, uh, authors, and entrepreneurs uh, stop by. And it's really through their participation and guest appearances that have helped to make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. Um, and also a special thanks to some of the sponsors and supporters of the show, uh, my good friend, Mr. Jonathan Laird from South Coast Golf Guide, uh, a great publication here in the southeastern part of the United States. Go to southcoastgolfguide.com. And uh, if you're interested in getting a copy of that uh, uh, book it's uh, available in most uh, Edwin Watts uh, many of the other golf shops uh, in the the southeastern part of the United States from literally from Texas right over here to Florida and it covers uh, many of the the great uh, golf tracks uh, throughout all the states in between uh, Alabama uh, Mississippi and Louisiana and so forth Um, and uh, and of course here in uh, northwest part of Florida um, has all the information there if you want to book tea times and so forth and tells you a little bit about each of the course so make sure you get a copy of South Coast Golf Guide uh, uh, or go to southcoastgolfguide.com and you can check out some of the online information there as well. Um, thank you, uh, Jonathan, as always, for your uh, support of the program. And, of course, uh, Ms. Meredith Kirk, my good friend from South Carolina, uh, Meredith Kirk Golf, and uh, also she was the Mrs. South Carolina uh, in 2014, uh, winner of that uh, pageant, and went on to represent in the uh, Mrs. USA as well, she's also a great uh, LPJ instructor and works very, very hard. She's also been uh, on uh, many different uh, media broadcasts, including uh, this very show, uh, Golf Talk Live. And I'm going to have her come on again sometime this year. Uh, Nikki and Tiffany Litherland, thank you again for all of your help uh, in spreading the word. Mr. Bernie Pinder from Ontic Golf, a great line of customized putters. Thank you, Bernie, for your uh, support of the program as well. Uh, Mr. Sean Kelly, owner of linkedgolfers.com a uh, great uh, site as well for linking golfers from literally all over the world and also uh, manages the linked golfers uh, group on LinkedIn, which is a uh, business social media site. Uh, linked golfers uh, is a, uh, the largest uh, golf group in that network. And lastly, and certainly not least, Mr. Peter Doyle, of Doyle golf solutions over in Ireland. Thank you, my friend, for all of your continued support of the show as well. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another great show. Uh, Coach's Corner will be coming back next week, I promise you, uh, and another exciting guest. Uh, And again, one more time, a thank you to my very special guest, Alicia Larson, uh, for coming on. And uh, one last plug, her book, uh, The Missing Link, The Powerful Role of Self-Talk in the Mind uh, mind Game of Golf, uh, forwarded by uh, Dr. Shad Helmstetter. Uh, You can get your copy of that book by going to amazon.com and just uh, very quickly uh, just to add to it uh, type in the missing link. As she pointed out, her name is spelt A-L-E-C-I-A is a first name, Alicia, and Larson is spelt L-A-R-S-E-N. Just type that in as well uh, following the missing link and that'll make sure you get to the, the appropriate book. Um, but thank you for tuning in to Golf Talk Live. A little shorter show tonight, but um, we'll be back with the regular schedule next week. God bless everybody. And again, thank you all for all the birthday wishes today. I appreciate it very much. Uh, God bless, and I will see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. Lucky Land Casino, asking people,
1: what's the weirdest place
0: you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky?